You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. I've been in Guatemala for almost 11 years, and so early, early on, uh, when we arrived there, obviously we're trying to furnish our house. It's, it's no simple feat to move. Uh, at that time, just, we were just a family of seven. We were kind of small. Uh, our family of ten, but, but to move there, to furnish our home. And so uh, we had only been there a couple months at this time, so didn't know Spanish, didn't, um, didn't really know where we were going. We went to the city, especially to Guatemala City, which is the largest city in Central America. So, but for some reason, we thought it would be a good idea to drive to the city. At that time, we didn't have GPS in our phones either. And so we're like, yeah, we can find this, you know, this person that was selling this piece of furniture. Or what, I don't even remember what it was. And, and we thought, yeah, we can figure it out. And we, we didn't figure it out. <laughs> we got horribly lost. And uh, it was, a, I, I don't ever remember being as lost as I was in that moment and how afraid I felt because what was I going to do? I couldn't call somebody and explain where I was. I couldn't stop and ask for directions because I didn't speak the language. It's like, what do I do? So I prayed, and we ended up finding the place that we needed to be. But I think uh, many of us in our lives, uh, in our Christian lives, are like this. We don't know where we're going. We don't remember that we have and we need to use a road map. We forget why we're here, why God put us on planet Earth. And Jesus left us instructions, right? left us clear instructions on how to do that. But sadly, it's not always super clear in the church today. In fact, um, uh, I was recently looking at a, some research that was done by Barna Research Group. You may have heard of them. They do a lot of research on the, on the church in the U.S. and around the world, really. Uh, but they, they said that 51% of church, this is church, people that come to church regularly have never even heard of the phrase Great Commission. 51%, over half of the church never even heard of the Great Commission. What a tragedy. Over half of the people have never heard of it, let alone know what it says and, and how to live it out. And so I want to hopefully help us, if, if you're in that plan, I'm sure many of you are, are further along than that, know what the Great Commission is, but hopefully encourage us, take a t- few steps forward in figuring out what it is for me to live out the Great Commission that we'll read here in a minute. It says to make disciples of all nations. What does that look like for each of us. So you can look in your Bible if you want in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We'll have it on the screen here as well. Uh, and this is one of the Great Commission passages. In fact, the Great Com- sometimes we don't even know that the Great Commission is found in f- all the Gospels and in Acts. And these were actually different times when Jesus, different locations when Jesus gave this commandment. This is post-resurrection after he began his life to, on the cross, after he rose again b- before his ascension. So he spends a lot of time on these texts, these what are called the Great Commission passages. So if Jesus uh, spends a, a significant amount of his time uh, post-resurrection on these, we probably should know what, what they are and know how to live them out. Sometimes um, this, these were, this passage is given to the disciples and some of Jesus' final words. Um, but we know as uh, followers today, as Christians today, that thanks to Matthew, we have these words written down for us uh, today. It's not just for those, this, these words to go and make disciples of all nations aren't just for, for me, right, as a missionary. It's not just for Pastor Chris, not just for a few leaders. It's, it's written to all of us. It's a call 
to all. And sometimes when we hear a missionary come or, or hear somebody start talking about missions, ah, oh, that's not for me. I'm not called to be a missionary. Well, yeah, you kind of are. <laughs> I think as, as we see the text today and understand, like we're all called to be in some way, shape, or form involved in missions. Missions is not just a program of the church, not just something we do and we have extra time or resources. It's actually the main mission of the church. I wish I had time to take you through all of Scripture because all of Scripture, starting in Genesis all the way through Revelation, shows us that the main call and mission of the church isn't just to show up on Sundays, isn't just to give your offering, isn't just to talk Christianese. It's actually to go to the nations and make disciples. That's why the church exists. That's, the, that's what Jesus is saying. Like, I started the church. This is what you are to do. That, that, that's how clear and, and simple and, and yet hard that it is. That's what the church has always been called to. Not, not just here locally, but also globally. And I think we'll see from our passage that we can't ignore either local or global mission. But again, research shows that less and less people are involved, sadly, in global missions, which is what I want to propose from this text is the main mission of the church. It's sad. Uh, but another, uh, some other research I was reading um, said this about the church. The number of missionaries, and missions in specific, and missionaries, the number of missionaries grew from 62,000 missionaries in the 1900 to 425,000 missionaries in 2020. That's great, right? But in 1900, there was uh, only 522.4 million Christians. So it took 1,220 believers to send one missionary. Today, it takes 6,000 Christians to send one missionary. So by ratio, the church involvement in missions has declined by more than three times. It may explain why the proportion of the world population deteriorated from 34 to 32 percent, 34 percent Christian in 1900 to 32 percent in 2020. So we're all called, like we all have to be involved if we want to see the Great Commission finished, which is a huge task. We all need to be involved. We're all called to be involved. Includes you and me, even even if we have doubts, even if we have challenges in our life, we we come up with a a, a ton of uh, excuses, don't we? to not be involved in making disciples. Too busy, uh, I got my kids in sports, I got a lot of work to do, et cetera, et cetera. You make a lot, of, but that is, if that's the main mission of the church, and we are the church, right? The, the church is us. That is our main mission too. That is our main calling. Uh, and, and I love right before the text that we're getting ready to read, I'll get to the text. Uh, in verse 17, I love the disciples. They came, Jesus is teaching them, getting ready to give them the great commission. And it says, some of them still doubted. Like they walked with Jesus for three years, and some of them still doubted. And you and I have doubts and struggles and challenges, but that doesn't mean that we're not called to be involved. Um, it didn't keep them from living it out. All but one of them, in fact, this is incredible, all but one of the disciples most likely gave their lives as martyrs, living out the Great Commission, taking the gospel to the nation. They died not in Jerusalem where they started, but in other parts of the earth. So let me read this text, and we'll jump in. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let me just say from the get-go, like I've already said, that the goal of missions 
or the goal of the church, the goal of missions, the goal of each of us as followers of Jesus Christ is to make disciples of all nations or all ethnic groups. There's a lot of things going on here that we don't have time to unpack in this text, but I want to point out that there's four verbs, right? Go, make disciples, baptize, and teaching. But the only command here is to make disciples. That is the only command if you look at the original language. The other three verbs kind of show us how to do that. How do we make disciples? We go, we baptize, and we teach. So the goal of missions, the goal for each of us, in fact, I would say, go as far as to say the goal of our lives, like at this core of our lives, should be this idea of making disciples. Discipleship should be the mission and focus of all churches do, but sadly, it's not the case, and, and thus the reason the church in America looks like it does today, and it's dying in the West, because previous generations have failed to disciple, and this is our main call and focus as follower of Jesus. We've somehow reduced uh, global disciple-making to showing up on ch- to church on Sunday, and maybe occasionally giving or even inviting a friend to church, but I, I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. In fact, over and over, he dwindled down his disciples by saying some pretty hard things. Like if you read the Gospels and you take it literally, like there's some pretty tough stuff in there. Like you need to leave your father and mother. You need to, you need to die to yourself daily. Take up your cross, right? There's some hard things that we don't always get in our uh, culture 2,000 years get later, but it's, it's some tough stuff that he was calling us to. And somehow in America, Christianity has, has become some sort of uh, social club built on comforts and likes rather than a Lord following a Lord who requires us to give up everything. So you with me? You here? All right. I've, I've been preaching several times in some of the churches here in America, and I don't quite get the response. Like, there's not the interaction that I get in Guatemala, so <laughs> help me out here. Um, so the clear call of missions, in fact, of each of our lives is to make disciples of who? All nations. All nations. I want to talk about that phrase here for a minute, which it means all ethnic groups, all ethnicities. So our focus isn't just geopolitical nations, right? There's uh, about 195 countries in the world, but, and depending on the experts that you ask, there's somewhere between 12,000 and 17,000 ethnicities, or sometimes they're called people groups. And the thing that blows my mind is that out of those 17,000 people groups, there's some 7,000 or about a third of the world, 3 billion people who not only don't know Jesus, there's probably more like 6 or 7 billion out of the 8 billion that don't know Christ. But 3 billion don't even have access to the gospel. Like no churches, no missionaries, no Christians in parts of the world. It's incredible. And so I, I just mentioned that just to show the enormity of the task that needs, that, God, that Jesus, God, is inviting us to, I, sometimes I, I just, it blows my mind that God wants to use me. Like to, he is inviting me to participate in this global task. Like we get to be a part of that. How incredible is it? It's hard, yes. It, it requires sacrifice, yes, absolutely. But there's nothing better. There's nothing better when we see people come to know the Lord and disciple them and see them then make the, there's nothing better. That, that's what we're here. That's why we exist. And so Jesus is inviting all of us. We need all the church to take all the gospel to all the world to finish the task. So we got the goal of missions, right? Making disciples of all nations. Now how does this text say we are to do that? How do we make disciples? First, we see in verse 18 that we need to recognize Jesus 
authority and power to make disciples. Like, it's based on who Jesus is. Verse 18, he makes clear, I have all authority, not some, but all authority. And so based on this truth, that all authority is Jesus. Not only this, but he's also implying that he is passing on this authority, allowing us to take that authority, based on that authority, to go and then do what he's calling us to do, right? So it's based on the authority, on the person and work of Jesus and what he's already done for us. He invites us in and says, I want you to play a part in that, based on that. That's pretty incredible. So first, it's based on the authority and power of Jesus. Second, we have to go out to all nations. If we're going to make disciples of all nations, we have to go to all nations. The verb go here is actually as you are going or as you have gone, uh, many are going. In fact, the world has never been smaller. We live in a, in a unique time. If you think about history and, and how quick we can get from, like from here to Guatemala, it's, what, a three-hour flight? You get drive to Atlanta, three-hour flight. Other part, you can get to any part of the world in less than 24 hours. It's never been like that. We have globalization. There's, there's people coming here. Like we have tons of people from all the world coming here that we now have the opportunity to share Christ, to make disciples here in our own backyard from people. In fact, I met, um, we were buying a car for one of my sons. I met a guy from Pakistan. We, he sold us the car in Indianapolis. From Pakistan, one of the, one of the, he's from one of the largest unreached people groups in the world, right there in Indianapolis. So incredible opportunities here, especially Atlanta, close. Wow, what, what opportunities we have here, close. Um, and so the opportunities are like they've never been. And many are going, but the truth is, many more need to go. <laughs> I already explained the, the need, right? Three billion people have never heard the name of Jesus. People right here in your own community who need to know Christ. I think Pastor Chris was saying 160,000, 100,000, right? Was that still don't know Christ? Like that should cause us to fall on our knees and weep and cry and pray for these people who don't know yet know Jesus and cause us to obey this calling to make disciples of all nations so more must go is that you I think we're too quick to dismiss the idea that God's not calling me I don't have anything to offer who am I I, I made that excuse about 12 years ago. Who am I? I don't have anything to offer. Never even been out of the country. And now you're asking me to go. But I'm confident in a room this size that the Lord's starting in somebody's heart to go in some way, shape, or form. This is not a calling for the spiritual elite. But God can and does call anyone, regardless of their past, to go and be a part of God's global mission. I share a quick story of Eswin, we mentioned him earlier, getting ready to plant a church in uh, Santa Lucia, 20 minutes from where we're at in Magdalena, Guatemala. And uh, I met him. He was my barber. And over the years, built a relationship with him. He, I got to lead him to Christ. But his life was a wreck. Like, if there's anyone less qualified, it was him. <laughs> but God rescued him from his alcoholism. He was living with a girl who wasn't his wife, still married to another. So we walked him through all that. And now... Five years later, he's planting a church. He's obeying the Great Commission. And so it doesn't matter what your life looks like now. All that God asks us to do is say yes. Say, here I am. Here's my life. He can take us, transform us, use us in any way, shape, or form that he wants us to. So what do we do when we go? As we, as we go, we take the gospel, we testify of Jesus, as it says in Acts, 
1.8, we make disciples. Part of making disciples is going. It's movement, right? We need to be moving. We are sent ones. Each of us are sent into the world. And that's, in fact, how John, the apostle, defines the Great Commission in, his, um, in the Gospel of John. John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We go and we make disciples. Another verb here is baptize. A part of making disciples is baptism, which is a public profession of faith as we put our faith and trust in Christ and what he did for us on the cross and, and rose again. As we, as we trust him with our lives, we then show the world who we are and what he's done with us by uh, baptism. In fact, today in, in our church in Guatemala, three people are getting baptized. Like, whoo, first time that neither Carlos nor I have been involved in either three of those people. Um, Yosimar, the, the pastor and uh, training that Carlos is preparing, uh, did the whole, the whole process. Led these people to Christ, and showed them, talked to them about what baptism is, and he's doing the baptism today. So that, that is what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples, and one of those uh, things that, that we see here clearly is baptizing. So go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing. But there's also one other clear verb we see here. And that is teaching, what we're doing right now, right? Teach all nations. So what must we teach? Obviously, we teach the scriptures, but I think more specifically, we teach and share the gospel. We tell people how they can be rescued from the darkness and be brought into the light. We share the gospel, the good news that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. As the old hymn goes, he paid for our sins by dying in our place on the cross. We share the gospel. But it also says, talk about all that Jesus commanded. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot, right? That's why it takes a lifetime for us to learn to follow Jesus. We don't have to wait until we know it all before we then share it, right? We, we, we encourage new believers when we uh, see people come to know Christ uh, immediately. Immediately, as soon as you come to know Jesus, whatever you know, share it with someone. Like, that's, that's the goal. That's how you begin to see reproduction. Not, you don't need to go through a three-year class to tell somebody how Jesus has changed your life, right? We, we have, a, a, in our discipleship program, teach people to share their, uh, their testimony in, in 30 seconds. And so, immediately. So, uh, but more specifically here, we're to teach them to obey. It says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We don't just need to teach truths, but obedience to these truths. It's not just learning something, knowledge, but it's obeying what we know. Mo mo most of you here today probably know quite a bit. But are you, are we, I'm including myself in that, are we obeying what we know? Uh, David Watson, in his book on contagious disciple making, says this about how the church has often done disciple making. In reality, we've been teaching knowledge, not obedience. Most people already know what they're supposed to do, but they choose not to do it. It's a lot of us, isn't it? I didn't hear many amens there. That's most of us. We know a lot, but we're not obeying. This is a call to obedience, to obey the Great Commission, to teach others, to disciple others, to share the gospel. We're often good at teaching about how to be a disciple. But one is not a disciple until they're discipling another. This is something we're super passionate about at New Life Network, Red Nueva Vida, is discipleship. Helping people not just know how to follow Jesus, but then teaching them. How do they go and then share their faith? How do they then help that person become a disciple? That's how you get reproduction. The way that we're going to uh, finish this massive task of the Great Commission is by reproduction. Is by every single one of you reaching one. Like if every single one of you, the 100 people are still here today, reach one, this church would double in a few weeks, right? 
And then what if, what if all 200, then you see how that can multiply and we can reach a lot of people really fast. That, that's what D- Jesus did, right? That's what he taught us. That's what he did with the 12 disciples. That's what he's leading to what left to the church 2,000 years ago. That's what he's commanding and inviting us to be a part of the privilege as disciples, making disciples reproduction. It's sometimes hard to measure discipleship. Often we count people on a Sunday or budgets or our baptisms, and those can be helpful, but I think the, the, the most helpful way to see if we're really making disciples is, are we reproducing? How many disciples are we reproducing? How many churches are we planning? How many leaders are we reproducing? The goal isn't one big church, one big program, but it's reproduction, disciple-making, making disciples of all nations. So our call is clear, right? It's crystal clear. Make disciples of all nations by going, baptizing, teaching. Pretty clear, right? So I want to finish up today uh, just asking some questions like to, to reflect on, to ponder. How are, how are you doing individually in this area of disciple-making, making disciples of all nations? What are you doing both here locally and globally? I think as we look at our text, we, we can't ignore either one. Like we can't, sometimes people use Acts 1.8. It says, uh, it says, testify me in, in Judea, Samaria, and other Martin, you know that I'm talking about? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. We're like, oh, I'm just reaching my Jerusalem. What about the other three? <laughs> like, no, we're called to make disciples of all nations, of all people. So we are invited into that. So how are we doing in that? We can't just delegate this responsibility of global disciple making to missionaries or the mission committee or the pastor. It's the main mission of the church. And we're all called, every single one of us, that call ourselves followers of Jesus, are called to make disciples. You may not be called to go. I don't think we, again, should throw that idea out immediately. Maybe God is calling you to go. But if you're not called to go, then what is your role? We all have a role to play. You can pray, you can give, you can care for missionaries, you can be informed, you can send, right? You can mobilize. Like this should be talked about. In the church. If this is the main mission of the church, like we should talk about it a lot. Like it should be... Like core to what we do in the church. Sadly, obviously it's not. If 51% of the church doesn't even know what the Great Commission is. But we should be talking about, should be core to what we do. Let me just share quickly a, a personal example of how, even though uh, I was in Guatemala as a missionary, the Lord invited me even further into uh, focusing on making disciples of all nations because I was there in Guatemala focused on that. But what about the rest of the world? And so um, I, I was actually getting a burden for this 3 billion people that are unreached. And I was like... Lord, are you calling us as a family to move from Guatemala to the 1040 window, which is North Africa, Middle East, that part of the world, India, uh, China? Is that what you're calling us to? And the Lord clearly said, no, no. But I want you uh, to work on mobilizing the Guatemalan church, the Latin American church that have uh, a, lot, a lot more open doors than we do as North Americans, frankly. And so I've been working on that and writing some uh, mobilization curriculum inside of our network that's not just in Guatemala, but about... Um, 11 different countries now, and so helping the, the Latin American church to see we're not just, we don't just receive missionaries, but we too can go. We, we too can be sent out. So that's just, I just wanted to share that because that's one thing, uh, one of the ways that the Lord has uh, allowed me to participate more fully in the Great Commission, just to, that maybe that's not you, obviously, uh, probably not you, but find how God has wired you. What is your giftings? And do it. Like, I don't need to mention a bunch of stuff because the Holy Spirit's a lot better at that than I am. <laughs> He's probably already telling you something right now. The question is, will you obey? Will you, will we 
obey what he's inviting us to do. Maybe it's just talking to your neighbor later about Jesus, inviting him over for dinner, uh, living, living differently here if, if you're not involved in this. And I know some of you are, so thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep doing it. But if you're not, find a place to be involved in, in making disciples of all nations. I just want to finish with uh, a statement, one, a statement that was formed in maybe one of the most important mission uh, meetings, gatherings ever. It's called the International Congress on the World Evangelization in Lausanne, Switzerland. It took place in 1974 before I was even born, which was led by Billy Graham, probably heard of Billy Graham, and John Stott, another mission statement. And they formed a statement, world evangelization requires the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. The whole church taking the complete message of Christ to the whole world. It takes all of us. Whether you're doubting like the disciples were in Matthew uh, 28, 17, or whatever the challenges you, you're facing, I want to invite you to, to consider this morning as we pray how you are to respond. How are you to be involved in making disciples of all nations? Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to be a part of your church, the church that you've called to make disciples of all nations. What, what a privilege, what an honor to be a part of that, to see you use our lives in such a way, God. And, and, and I pray, Lord, for this morning for a stirring of your spirit amongst these people that they too uh, can see that you are a missionary God, that the Bible is a missionary book, and that we're called to be involved in making disciples of all nations, all of us, every single one of us. I pray that that would be planted deep within each heart here this morning, that you, Holy Spirit, would show specific uh, steps of obedience that each of us need to take to be involved in this great commission. Thank you for using us. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.